Chapter Ten of Benjamin Franklin by Robin McCown. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Friendships in England. Sometime early in 1766, a young man named Joseph Priestley, a dissenting minister and a teacher of classical languages in Warrington, Lancashire, came to see Franklin to ask his help for a history of electricity he was writing franklin gladly gave him assistance and told him of his kite experiment in more detail than he had done to any one before impressed with priestley's scientific talents he recommended him to membership in the royal society priestley more than fulfilled his expectations a few years later he would discover oxygen calling it by the cumbersome name of deflogestated air he also became a lifelong friend of the american colonies inevitably the most brilliant scientists in england and the continent sought franklin out and except for a few jealous ones were added to the circle of his friendships among the most intimate of these was john pringle whom he had met on his last english trip and who was now sir john personal physician to england's queen samuel johnson's biographer boswell once called on pringle and found him and franklin playing chess boswell wrote sir john though a most worthy man has a peculiar sour manner franklin again is all jollity and pleasantry i said to myself here is a prime contrast acid and alkali with pringle franklin took a trip to the continent in june seventeen sixty six they stayed first in piermont in what is now west germany a fashionable mineral springs resort from there they visited Göttingen where the royal society of sciences elected both to membership they met rudolf eric Raspe, narrator of the famous tall tales of the adventures of baron munchausen in their turn pringle and franklin entertained their new friends with stories about the giant patagonians of south america which neither of them had of course ever seen when franklin later read the newspaper accounts of their voyage he noted with amusement that the patagonians had grown even taller in the hands of the press a letter was waiting for him in london from debby saying that sally wanted his consent to marry a young man named richard bache franklin was too far away to judge the merits of her suitor i can only say that if he proves a good husband to her and a good son to me he shall find me as good a father as i can be he wrote the marriage took place in october seventeen sixty seven the ships in the harbor in philadelphia ran up their flags to celebrate the wedding of the daughter of their most famous citizen the ministry of lord rockingham in which franklin had such confidence toppled while he was in germany the king and william pitt now lord chatham set up a coalition cabinet pitt still a good friend of the american colonies soon fell violently ill during which time the reins of the government were seized by charles townsend chancellor of the exchequer townsend considered the whole colonial uproar over taxes perfect nonsense since the americans had balked at the internal stamp tax he resolved to let them pay external taxes in the form of import duties on glass lead paper paints and tea by the townsend acts duties were to be collected by english revenue officers the acts violated the time-honored right of trial by jury those accused of ignoring the revenue laws were to be tried in the admiralty courts without a jury 
as an added insult the revenue collected was to be used for the salaries of royal governors and judges who previously had been paid by the assemblies and thus subject to some colonial control franklin foresaw grave danger ahead the americans would not accept these harsh measures every act of oppression will sour their tempers he wrote lord kames lessen greatly if not annihilate the profits of your commerce with them and hasten their final revolt for the seeds of liberty are universally found there and nothing can eradicate them he felt that the colonists affection for britain was such that if cultivated prudently they might be easily governed without force or any considerable expense but he did not see a sufficient quantity of the wisdom that is necessary to produce such a conduct the lack of a sufficient quantity of the wisdom on the part of parliament and the ministry was almost daily becoming more obvious to him still he continued his course of education and propaganda and persuasion and of meeting with men in the government whom he hoped to influence many listened to him the young and wealthy earl of shelburne secretary of state for the colonies became his close friend in recognition of his usefulness to his country in seventeen sixty eight he was chosen agent for georgia in seventeen sixty nine for new jersey and in seventeen seventy for massachusetts nearly every year he took a trip from london for his health and to refresh his mind in the fall of seventeen sixty seven he made his first visit to france again in the company of his steady good friend sir john pringle as a loyal subject of an england frequently at war with france he was prejudiced in advance against that intriguing nation as he called it even this first short visit led him to reverse his opinion it seems to be a point settled here universally that strangers are to be treated with respect he wrote polly stevenson why don't we practice this urbanity to frenchmen why should they be allowed to outdo us in anything already he was adopting french fashions i had not been here six days before my tailor and perruquier wig-maker had transformed me into a frenchman only think what a figure i make in a little bag wig and naked ears they told me i was become twenty years younger and looked very gallant in french scientific circles his name was legendary scientists bragged that they were franklinists a word they had coined thomas d'alibard the first to draw electricity from the skies entertained him royally at versailles he and john were presented to louis the fifteenth whose praise of his electrical experiments franklin could hardly have forgotten and whom he found a handsome man has a very lively look and appears younger than he is the king talked a good deal to sir john he wrote polly asking many questions about our royal family and did me too the honour of taking some notice of me that's saying enough for i would not have you think me so much pleased with this king and queen as to have a whit less regard than i used to have for ours our king to him was still george the third he thought versailles badly kept up in spite of its splendour but was impressed with the way drinking-water was kept pure by filtering it through cisterns filled with sand it seemed as though every time he turned his back to london there were changes in the ministry 
townsend who had done more than any man before him to turn the americans into revolutionists died in september seventeen sixty seven he was succeeded by the tory lord north a pompous thick-lipped personage who had neither the will nor the desire to improve colonial relations william pitt's health was still poor he collapsed in seventeen sixty eight in the house of lords in the midst of a fiery attack on his government's american policies in the same year the pleasant lord shelburne was succeeded by the earl of hillsborough a master of hypocrisy in franklin's estimation as secretary of state for the colonies in america the massachusetts assembly sent a letter to other colonial assemblies proposing united opposition to the townsend acts hillsborough demanded that they rescind their action or dissolve the assembly refused and was backed by the other colonies in october seventeen sixty eight the british sent eight ships of war to try to compel boston to pay the import taxes other ships followed by one estimate the extra military expenses that year were five thousand times the amount which the townsend acts produced in revenue franklin had judged their stupidity rightly in the midst of the american protests against these acts he was entertained by the lord chancellor lord bathurst and lady bathurst he brought them a gift of american nuts and apples with an irony that his lordship could not have missed he prayed them to accept his present as a tribute from the country small indeed but voluntary the nuts and apples had come from debbie who had also sent him such american products as cornmeal buckwheat flour cranberries and dried peaches that year young christian the seventh of denmark visited england and insisted that franklin dine with him at st james he would not have been human had he not recalled the proverb of solomon which his father had so frequently quoted in his childhood now he had not only stood before one king louis the fifteenth he had sat down with a second there would be others the english tried for two more years to make the colonists pay duties they did not want to pay at last on march fifth seventeen seventy parliament voted unanimously to repeal all of them but the tax on tea franklin commented dryly that repealing only part of the duties was as bad surgery as to leave splinters in a wound which must prevent its healing in boston on that same day a squad of british soldiers fired into a crowd which had been pelting them with snowballs killing five and wounding six the boston massacre became a cause celebre bloodshed had been added to the other colony grievances the next summer franklin visited ireland in dublin he attended two sessions of the irish parliament the speaker introduced him as an american gentleman of distinguished character and merit and he was given a place of honor he noted that the irish parliamentarians were more cordial than their english counterparts but was too astute not to realize they did not really represent their own people ireland like america had suffered under british oppressive measures but more intensely and longer the appalling misery of the irish people was a moral lesson to him he foresaw that if the colonists did not continue to insist on their rights they would suffer the same wretched fate sally's husband richard bache came to england that fall to meet his famous father-in-law 
beige had set his heart on getting a political appointment and had brought a thousand pounds in case he would have to pay for it even members of the house of commons bought their posts a practice which was responsible for much of the corruption and inefficiency of the government franklin advised his son-in-law to stay clear of politics invest your money in merchandise start a store in philadelphia you will be independent and less subject to the caprices of superiors beige followed this advice and within a few years was one of pennsylvania's most respected merchants that year lord hillsborough with whom franklin's relations had been only outwardly civil was succeeded by lord dartmouth whom he liked again his hopes were raised for a cessation of hostilities in truth the ministry and parliament had never treated him more cordially as to my situation here he wrote his son on august nineteenth seventeen seventy two nothing can be more agreeable a general respect paid me by the learned a number of friends and acquaintances among them with whom i have a pleasing intercourse my company so much desired that i seldom dine at home in winter and could spend the whole summer in the country houses of inviting friends if i chose it the king too has lately been heard to speak of me with great regard in a postscript he mentioned that the french royal academy had chosen him a foreign member of which there were only eight his craven street family was now enlarged to include his grandson william temple franklin and a distant english cousin named sally franklin who was like his daughter an eager young girl nimble-footed and willing to run errands and wait upon me mrs stevenson continued to pamper him and nurse him during his spells of gout polly for whom he always had great affection was married to a young doctor william hewson the young couple had been living with their mother since seventeen seventy there were several weeks when mrs stevenson was away leaving polly in charge to amuse them franklin composed a newspaper the craven street gazette reporting the daily household happenings as though they were world events in this sheet mrs stevenson was queen margaret sally was first maid of honor polly and her husband were lord and lady hewson while he referred to himself as the great person so called from his enormous size when debbie wrote him of the cleverness of his grandson benjamin franklin bache born in august seventeen sixty nine franklin responded with anecdotes about polly's first boy whose godfather he was wherever he was a rich family life was as essential to his happiness as food among his close friends was jonathan shipley bishop of st asaph at twyford i now breathe with reluctance the smoke of london when i think of the sweet air of twyford he wrote after a visit there in june seventeen seventy one the bishop had five daughters and a son and franklin more or less adopted them all to the shipley girls he presented a gray squirrel which debbie had sent they were thrilled with scug as they named him one day the squirrel escaped from his cage and was killed by a dog the children buried him in their garden and franklin composed his epitaph here scug lies snug as a bug in a rug at the shipley's he wrote the first part of his famous autobiography in the form of a letter to william another of his intimates was lord de dispensay former chancellor of the exchequer who in his youth was reputedly the wickedest man in england 
franklin found him a delightful companion and often stayed at his country place at wickham he was a frequent guest of lord shelburne whose vast wooded estate was also at wickham i am in this house he wrote william as much at my ease as if it was my own and the gardens are a paradise but a pleasanter thing is the kind countenance the facetious and very intelligent conversation of mine host with lord le depensee the alleged rake he wrote an abridgment of the book of common prayer published in seventeen seventy three he was a frequent guest of lord shelburne whose vast wooded estate was also at wickham one windy day he gravely told the other visitors that he could quiet the waves on a small stream on the grounds ignoring their sceptical looks he walked upstream made some mysterious passes over the water and waved his cane three times in the air as he had prophesied the waves quieted down and the stream became smooth as a mirror his companions could not conceal their astonishment later he satisfied their curiosity there was oil in the hollow joint of his cane a few drops of it spread in a thin film over the water and caused the seeming miracle back of this trick was a great deal of serious study on the effects of pouring oil on troubled waters in his youth he had read in pliny how sailors of ancient greece had smoothed a choppy sea in this manner on one of his ocean crossings an old sea captain told him that bermuda fishermen poured oil on rough waters so they could see the fish strike subsequently he had made his own experiments finding that one teaspoon of oil would calm a pond several yards across if such a minute bit of oil would still a pond would not several barrels of oil level out the surf making it possible for boats to land with less danger he tried out this theory the next year at portsmouth england with a local sea captain he took off on a barge one windy day sprinkling oil on the waves from a large stone bottle the experiment was only partially successful oil did not diminish the height or force of the surf on the shore but he had the satisfaction of seeing that where the oil had spread the surface of the water was not wrinkled by smaller waves or whitecaps his scientific and cultural interests were as varied as life itself he was in turn occupied with the nature of mastodon tusks and teeth which a friend sent to london with the transit of venus the causes of lead poisoning population increase geology salt mines scottish tunes whirlwinds and water spouts and the science of phonetics the need of reforms to reduce the disorderly confusion in english spelling and the curious fact that flies apparently drowned in a bottle of madeira wine might sometimes be brought back to life his observations on all these matters were published in letters on philosophical subjects and added to the fourth edition of experiments and observations on electricity barbeau de bourg a parisian printer issued a french translation in two handsome volumes which included the way to wealth under the french title le moyen de saint Lichet. philadelphia wrote de bourg in his preface was founded in the midst of the savages of america by william penn a man wiser than the spartan hero lycurgus in less than a century the city had gone far beyond the ancient world in the practice of the purest virtues and most useful arts benjamin franklin 
scientist statesman and sage had now brought this heroic age to troubled europe the legend of benjamin franklin which would mount to greater heights in france than anywhere else in the world was already in the making End of chapter 10